Hello, and welcome back to Livable Launch, your number one destination for all new residential launches with a dusting of real estate development and marketing. I'm your host, Matthew Slutsky, and I'm excited, as always, to be here and share insight into the latest new home launches from the industry's finest minds. Our guest today is nothing short of a living testament to the power of innovation, strategy, and salesmanship. He is the man who has been integral in reshaping Baker Realty, one of the top-notch real estate firms in Canada. Please welcome Harley Nikelski, president and partner at Baker. From heading operations of sales and marketing for developments, managing sales offices, to selling out condominium projects, Harley is a powerhouse who constantly is driving Baker to remain at the forefront of real estate innovation. So without further ado, let's welcome the one, the only, Harley. Hey Harley, welcome to Livable Launch, a show where we talk about what's launching, what's exciting, what's happening in Southern Ontario right now. So welcome to the show. Thanks Matt, and thanks for inviting me on. Very excited to be here. So as the name of this podcast, podcast implies livable launch why don't you tell us a little bit like what are you launch? what's coming down the pipeline are you guys the the market's obviously bizarre right now do you guys have like nothing launching or do you guys have ten thousand projects launching that is a really good question i like the word bizarre i've been using weird but it's a uh it's a pretty similar answer um the market is a little bit weird right now but we're actually seeing sales so what's happening is developers are still looking at getting into the marketplace which is great um we had some great success so far this year. We actually opened up the year here at Baker with um, our site on Olive with uh, Capital Developments and we saw huge success. Um, we have also launched some really exciting projects everywhere from the junction down to um, kind of the east end of Toronto with uh, Birchley Park and the Dawes and the farther east even with uh, Bluffers Park. And um, we've also been uh, out west with uh, in Burlington with some huge successes. Two and, two really quick questions. Yeah, you mentioned Scarborough with Bluffers. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarborough seems to be like the hot spot right now. Everyone's talking about Scarborough. Are, are what, what are you seeing there? Like, why is everybody flocking to Scarborough right now? It's a good question. I think it's value and transit. So, what's selling condominiums for? Um, both the investor and the end user, but a lot of uh, pre-construction condos, you do get a high percentage of investors looking for somewhere to park their money, even if they may move there, or the kids move there. Um, but looking at transit locations, because people need to get around the city. We know that traffic um, gets pretty high, uh, and we know that we don't have the transit system as some other major cities. So people are looking to buy up and down transit lines. So our Scarborough launches, um, for example, the Dawes, is right on the go and um, the subway. Um, Birchley Park is 700 meters from the subway. And actually, even as far as Bluffers Park that you had mentioned, um, you can still walk to the subway. It's only about a seven, uh, sorry, you're walking to the GO station, about 17, 18 minute walk to the GO station, which is a little bit farther, but it's very manageable. And then you get to downtown Toronto in, in 30 minutes. You can still live there, work in the city. That's why people love Scarborough. You get value, transit. On the, the opposite side of transit, staying within the place, I also know you mentioned Olive. I just walked by the scale model out front. Do they actually have a bocce, a bocce uh, court on the one of the levels? Did I see that right? Uh, yes. Yes. Pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool amenity. I think, you know, if you're in, you know, if the listeners kind of across North America, if you're in New York, they're very amenity light. Here, amenity, amenity heavy. Bocce ball, that's pretty awesome to see. And sorry, I interrupted you as you were going through your list. No, that was uh, that is okay. They the amenities here are pretty cool. Um, there's 
a lot of buildings coming out and lots of developers want to really make a mark. So we've actually designed some really cool um, amenities in various buildings. And it is a big conversation we now have because people are living in smaller and smaller spaces in this city. And if they're going to live in smaller spaces, they need amenities and they need the ability to work somewhere. A lot of people are working from home. They need the ability to entertain their friends and they may not be able to do it in their unit. So we are seeing more and more um, very interesting amenities in the city. Um, I think the biggest one I missed, which is a good amenity story too, um, was Union City. Arguably um, the largest success probably in the world in the last six months. Um, Just for people who don't know, where is Union City and what is it? Union City is in Markham. Um, it is in Unionville. And it's a very interesting location because we're directly across the street from a brand new York University campus and right beside a GO station. So it goes back to that uh, transit location conversation. And it also goes back to that um, as an investor, you're looking for uh, someone to rent this unit. And because you're directly across from New York University, it really helps. Um, we had an amazing success there. We've sold over 1,200 units already this year. Uh, first two buildings sold out in a couple days, and the third building, substantial numbers, construction financing numbers in four days. Wow. And, uh, and yeah. who, who's buying those? Like, what, what's the, what does the buyer tape look like there? We're actually getting a lot of end users. Um, it's a very interesting location, Unionville. It is very well known. It is a really um, high net worth location, uh, and there's no real condo project in um, uh, in Unionville. There is in Markham, uh, but right in the heart of Unionville, there is nothing like this. Um, so it's very unique. And it goes back to that story um, you were asking about, which is unique amenities. And I would say Union House is one of the more unique amenities. It is a full separate community center that the developer is building um, that is going to be used by the residents of these three towers, which is a very unique offering compared to what happens out there. Only for the residents of those three towers or can people come in from outside and, and get membership? Uh, as of right now, I believe it's just the residents of these three cool. towers. It may be opened up to the other towers that are being built as part of the second phase of this community. As gotcha. Well. And you talked, that's a bunch that has launched. Are you able to talk about kind of upcoming kind of secret of what's actually coming down the pipeline right now? hundred percent. We have a couple really exciting launches coming up this fall. Um, I think some of the sites uh, are out there and we're talking about them and some are not just yet. Um, some of the really exciting ones that are coming shortly, um, we have Bellwoods House coming, um, which is at 111 Strawn. It's that really kind of cool King West pocket, which I think is um, well known, but uh, you know, not necessarily this type of building, but it's a neighborhood building right by Bellwoods. Um, we have a building coming on Park Road, which is going to be incredibly um, interesting and different. Um, Park Road is uh, essentially Yorkville, um, it's just east of Young and Bluer, uh, and it is a flat iron building. It's on a very unique shaped site. Um, it is right on the ravine system there, which is amazing. I used to live at uh, Young and Bluer for many years, and I always take my, uh, my dog through that ravine all the time. It's awesome. Um, so you're going to have you know, really beautiful views. You'll have to walk to the ravine, but you're also at the corner of Young and Bluer pretty much um, for you know, everything that is to subway line shopping everything else you would want. I, I don't know if this is uh, determined yet or if you're, you're able to say because it's an upcoming project, like roughly price per square foot for something like in Yorkville, in King West. Like what, what, what are we looking at these days? I can't give you anything on the new stuff yet. Um, what I can tell you is that buyers who are buying now are going to get a price per foot and therefore kind of an end price that I don't think we're going to see anymore. Um, at this point, a lot of developers are trying to get deals done and they're offering deals today that 
you're not going to see in a year from now um, as the world kind of heats up just a little bit more. If the second we see an interest rate drop, all those prices are going up immediately. I don't know when that interest rate drop is, but um, even as it levels out again, we already saw all of the prices starting to grow again um, as it leveled out. We've lost that, but um, I think you're going to see value. I think you're going to see King West for a price that you wouldn't imagine King West condos would have sold that a year ago. I think you're going to see Young and Bluer Yorkville pricing that you wouldn't have imagined seeing a year ago as well. I know that you mentioned price per square foot, not being able to get again. In the same time, you kind of also mentioned end price. You know, when it comes to like floor plans, I always tell builders like end users do not understand 2D floor plans. It's like Everybody in the industry understands them, so you assume that everybody can understand them, but consumers really don't understand 2D floor plans. Do consumers understand price per square foot, or are they only looking at the end price? Like, how do how does an average non maybe beginner investor or end user who's never bought a condo, how do you express value to them? Like, is it just naturally people understand price per square foot? Um, people do not understand price per square foot. People don't seem to understand square footage. That's a really good point. Your general consumer does not understand what, what, a, what a square foot does for you and what it gives you. Um, a lot of it has to do with programming. I get a two bed, two bath unit. I get a one bed and den um, with a bedroom on the window or maybe a bedroom and a den on the window or something like that. Um, and some of the unique plans we've come up with. Um, I think that it's actually one of the most important things we're seeing in the marketplace today. The most successful projects and that goes from you know, Olive to Union City to, to, to many other projects we're working on. The most successful projects are the ones that we made the floor plans sing and work perfectly. And it doesn't matter what the square footage is, it's what do I get? So if I'm spending $800,000, what do I get? And if at one project for $800,000, I can get a one bedroom and den, two bathroom unit that kind of functions almost like a two bedroom unit, even though it's not a two bedroom unit. Um, and the other one, I can actually get an $800,000 $800, unit that is a straight one bedroom unit and may have a little area to put a desk. Um, most buyers will say for that $800,000, I want to buy that better programmed unit. And so a lot of it is going to come down to what's the price and what am I getting for that price? And it's the reason you're seeing the shrinking of units right now in the city. Um, units are getting smaller and smaller and the programming is going higher and higher. Um, and, uh, and you're seeing it more and more in suburbs, not just downtown Toronto. I'd say the history of the city is studio units, tiny one bedrooms, um, units that I can, you know, you know, squeeze some stuff in and live in. Um, but now you're seeing it in the 905. We are active all the way up to Aurelia. We're active very deep into Scarborough and to Pickering. We're going, um, we're in Mississauga. I didn't talk about M6. We're launching the next tower at M City, which is going to be incredibly exciting um, out in Mississauga, along with the next tower at Brightwater, also going to be coming out shortly, and some townhomes, which is also going to be exciting. So Mississauga, we're going to, um, but, but it's interesting because you'll see units that are smaller will do better even in those markets. You've just hit on so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, just want to pause for a second on M City. Mm -hmm. Again, for people who aren't who aren't familiar, what is M City? You mentioned M six. I like I feel like it's gonna go up to M hundred. Can you talk a little bit about M City, where it is and what it offers and, and why that's so exciting that you're on M six? For sure. Um M City is um is uh, by uh, the Rogers um, family and Urban Capital Developments. Um, it is right in central Mississauga. 
and it is a growing area. We've seen a couple developments. M City being the overall brand of the um, of the complex is one of is the most success, uh, successful um, you know Mississauga launch. Um, the buildings have really interesting architecture. Um, uh, you're not all here, but Matt and I are in our boardroom. And we have some some models where you can see some of this amazing architecture. It's really changing um, the look and the feel of Mississauga, and it is doing it um, with sellout after sellout. What's cool about M6 being the sixth building is we have sold massive buildings. We sold uh, one of our our buildings was about 980 units. So just absolutely massive buildings and they're selling out. We're getting uh, people interested in these buildings to the point of sellout uh, within a couple weeks. And the interest level in Mississauga, it continues to grow. And it also is a value location and there's transit. They have also just added the LRT line. And then if you go down to like the Port Credit area where we also have the Brightwater community, which is a 72 acre uh, waterfront development, um, with some of Canada's uh, largest developers. Um, we also have a GO station right beside that project, which is really cool. So people are kind of going to areas with that transit play. And um, I think the biggest point that I want to make when I was kind of coming into it was that our best selling units, Brightwater, M City, all of these locations is uh, also the small product because it's not always just the smallest, like the studio product. When I say the small product, it's still the small two bedrooms and it's still the good sized three bedrooms, but to your point, people don't know price per square foot. What they care about is where, what can I buy for $800,000? It's so funny that you've mentioned the $800,000 a few times now. I feel like not too long ago, the seven fifty dollars that was like the sweet spot. Builders wanted to be at seven fifty. dollars If it was seven fifty one, investors weren't buying there. You're now saying kind of up to eight hundred dollars and a bit smaller. So good to see that. You also mentioned uh, Mississauga and the architecture. I feel that Citizen with the Marilyn Monroe building started this crazy architecture of Mississauga and Mississauga's run with it. Like every building there seems to be, not every building obviously, but they have way more interesting architecture it seems in Mississauga right now than we do in downtown Toronto. It's kind of feeling that way. So that's cool to see. The other thing you got to mention, and this goes towards Mississauga and beyond and the ghost stations, 416 versus 905. I know we just talked about people don't really understand price per square foot. But can you talk a little bit about price per square foot for, for 416 versus 905 and maybe a little bit about rent in 416 versus 905? Because I kind of feel that rent is catching up in the 905 and 905 is just becoming way more attractive for investors um, right now. Than, and, and builders, I feel, are seeing that too. And they're launching their 905 before they're launching their 416. It is a good point. I think that I think it depends. Um, so, okay. So there, you asked me a bunch of questions. Which I will also dive into. So there is no question that the farther you get out of core downtown Toronto, whether that be Young and Dundas or um, or Front and Young or Bay, whatever it is, um, the farther you get outside of the Toronto um, core, um, I will say that your pricing is going down, and your rent is going down. But I would say your pricing is going down faster than your rent is going. Um, there are different types of buyers who are looking for different types of product. Uh, we were really successful in the past uh, eight months or let's call it 10 months um, selling both 8Elm and Forma, uh, both AAA, quadruple A locations in downtown Toronto. Um, Forma will definitely push you on that architecture comment you made about Toronto versus uh, Mississauga. <laughs> yeah, uh, Frank that does Gary, not count for Forma. Frank Gary is going to ask you some questions about that in our next podcast. Um, but we are seeing 
um, we are seeing in these triple, quadruple A, amazing downtown locations, an absolute ton of interest for huge prices. And the reason you're seeing that is because I think people understand that there will never be another um, site at University and King. You know, you're not going to see another site at Young and Dundas. You'll see them on Church. You'll see them on Jarvis. But you're not going to see them at, really at Young and Dundas on Elm Street um, and Young Street address. So it is going to... Uh, that is taken uh, into consideration a lot with investors. Once you get out of those core locations, um, people are looking for the value play, to your point. Um, we did talk about transit. So like in Vaughan, you're seeing a lot of action around the VMC because you have a transit hub there as well. Um, you're seeing action at, um, again, like in the east end of Toronto, we're seeing a lot of action. Um, a lot of it is really coming in and around transit. So you can buy for less and you still have that transit location. So if I'm looking for a renter, uh, a renter is going to give us um, still decent rent for a unit um, on the subway because they can still get to whether they work in the you know downtown core or they go to school at York University or if they're at U of T, right? Um, we um, you're going to see that the buyer that the buyers who are buying today are saying, "What's my best bang for my buck?" Um, but people have different um, opinions as to what they want to buy, and some of them do want to be front row center downtown core because we're going to run out of land and we're going to run out of these buildings and some want to be outside. Um, the discount you're seeing in price, it's really nice because um, as long as you're not in the downtown core, you're paying a lot less for your land. Um, and it, make, it makes a really big difference on what you can uh, charge for your units. Yeah, it kind of comes back to, to, to what I've always said is it's not location, 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 but it's access, access, access. And obviously location is important. I'm not, you know, can't really discount the importance of location, but it's how do you get into that project? And you, if you want to get something that gets the best of value, not only do you need a project that has great value, but you also have to be able to get into that project in time. Do you want to talk at all about kind of the sales process and, and what we're seeing now in, in how projects are launching? For sure. So it is an interesting world right now where developers are typically saying, um, you know what? I have a piece of property. Let's not talk price per square foot. Let's talk end price because to um, your point, um, I think a lot of people who are listening to this are going to understand what a unit costs, call it $800,000. By the way, investors will go higher than $800,000. Um, we've been very successful million dollar plus, pro plus product at some big downtown core projects. And then once you get into the suburbs, you do see that $800,000, 750 to eight fifty being like a solid range in there where people really like to be comfortable in investing. Um, so, um, essentially, the builder is saying this unit is probably going to be worth $900,000 when it's built in five years from now. So let's back that up and say we need buyers to buy these in advance so we can get our construction financing and build this building. So if this is going to be worth $900,000, let's sell it today for $800,000. The buyer who buys it today can make money. They can lever their money put some deposits down, you know, typical today's market is 15% over a couple of years, um, and they can put that money in and they can ride it out until this thing is built when it's worth $900,000 and they can make their money. As a developer, I can now build this building and get bank financing to build it. So um, uh, what's interesting is um, developers are saying, how do I sell this? And they're actually, like I said, in today's market selling for less money than you're seeing um, probably what we're going to see in the future. Um, a buyer gets to buy at a discount if they come in early in the process, but it's not only early in the process. There are various milestones the developer has to hit to be able to build a building. So um, 
often is that you get a really good price if you come in on an early sale day. So a lot of times you see a project, you're thinking about it, and you want to pull the trigger, I would pull the trigger. And that's my personal opinion as someone who has not pulled the trigger. I'm going to say it publicly. I have, you know, I've, I've been a baker for 11 years, let's say 15 years ago when I didn't know as much as I do today. I left one or two units on, uh, on hold and didn't pick them up for the right price and had to pay more money. So I would say the most important thing is buying well. Um, and people come in, they have the opportunity to buy at a really good price on, on the first couple of weeks and the developer is giving that to the buyer. It's the best time to buy. Um, I think people say the best time buying real estate is yesterday, and it is true. You get that buy-in and you secure a unit. But there are other deals throughout the process. And it's interesting because as an investor now, um, I may be able to buy a year later. And if I'm buying a year later, um, the price is probably up a little bit. I'm not going to um, you know, lie about this. The pricings go up, which is great. It's great for the people who bought on day one. But in a year from now, you probably have to give less deposit. You probably have more time to get those deposits in. And so the second that your deposit changes, it changes your leverage situation and what your return is going to be on your dollars. So I would say that the people who buy early do well. The people who buy a year or two later also do well. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes you end up getting to the end of a project and uh, the project's built. And sometimes you can buy a really good deal at a built product um, in Toronto that no one's ever lived in before um, compared to a resale across the street. Um, that's harder to find in a really good market, but depending on the market you're in, sometimes you can still get a good deal. When that, that last part, are you talking about the builder selling those units or are you talking about assignments at that point? I guess both. Um, builder selling units uh, at the end, um, they're not a deal. They're not cheaper than day one, but often, again, if you're, if you're saying that on day one, they're going to price a unit $800,000 because they believe it's going to be worth $900,000. When they get to close that unit, it's probably worth $900,000. It could even be worth a million dollars. And the developer sometimes still has 10, 15 units to sell. And sometimes they'll say, you know what? Give me eight seventy-five. dollars Developers made the extra $75,000. They're very happy. And the investor's probably buying it for $25,000 under value. Win-win all around. Exactly. Um, I know we talked about 416 and 905 and kind of the difference in values. I don't know if you're able to do this, but are you able to pick like a city or a township right now? Like where can you get the best value? If someone, someone's looking, like where should they be looking? Is it like Oakville or Hamilton or downtown Toronto? Where would you recommend um, investors or end users looking for, for the best value and bank for their buck book? It is a good question. Um, it is really hard for me to answer. Um, I know you have more than one kid. It's like asking you which one's your favorite. Don't answer. This could be online, Matt. Um, but, but the problem is, um, you know, we do represent projects in various locations. I think each one has a unique selling feature. So what I would say is that people need to understand locations they know and understand. Uh, if it was me buying, I'm always looking at transit. It's number one. Um, I am looking at who my renter is going to be. So if I buy something on a transit line, but there's nothing else really there, it doesn't, um, it, it, there's no real market in that location may not be a big interest to me if I'm personally investing in something. I'm looking for something in a location where I can see the growth. I can see that there is a brand new, um, you know, massive development coming in next door. I'm looking at things where I can see added value as future comes. Um, people who bought the first buildings uh, at uh, M City, we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, everybody knew what was going to happen in that central Mississauga, but only some people bought. 
Um, I'll give you another example. Um, Canary, we've worked uh, for the, in the Canary District. Um, I personally own units in the Canary District. And um, it's this East End Toronto location. We sold it off of plans. I still remember walking the first people through there and people were like, where am I? What is this? Look at this land. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And now we're, we're selling building after building and people are walking in the door and buying them as fast as we can come up with them in this location because it's such a cool neighborhood. So it's that vision of what's coming and what can I buy into. Can you talk a little bit about Canary? Just, I mean, because it is such a crazy story, like and how it started with the games and, and what area it was in in Toronto, I think is really interesting. Want to give a little synopsis to people of what Canary is? Um, for sure. So the Canary District is... Um, uh, just east of the distillery in Toronto. Amazingly enough, you said the distillery to someone, they know exactly where it is on a map. And when I would say to people, do you want to buy in the Canary District? They would pretty much say, huh, where is that? What is that? Um, it's a master plan development, multiple towers. Um, there is a mix of, uh, there is a couple rental buildings. There is massive amounts of condominiums. And um, there's going as far as a brand new school. There is... I should know this off the top of my head, but it's been a little while. I want to say an eight acre park, 16 acre park. And I apologize. I, I am going to disclaimer this. I don't remember. And I should know. Um, but Corktown Commons Park, that kind of is right at the foot of the project on the east end, right on the um, uh, right on the DVP in the Don Valley. Um, uh, the huge uh, park retail along the streets um, today. Uh, and it's just this beautiful neighborhood. People love it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. I just rented out my unit there for... A fantastic amount of money and they want to move in immediately um, and uh, and it's very interesting because um, when we sold it we were walking people through what was like landfill site and there was nothing there it was brown it was really hard to explain what was coming and we used um, I would say like the amount of video and rendering um, you know Kilmer group and uh, what was um, uh, what is now dream um, was uh, Dundee back then um, we would, uh, we would show people all these great videos. We'd take them through, we'd show them rendering, try to explain what was being built here. And those early adopters, um, I'm one of them, um, uh, have, have done very well for buying in a neighborhood that was growing. And that goes down to, back to what you said, like Scarborough, the 905, all these areas that people were probably less interested in before are now seeing these values, especially over the next five years as we, run out of homes for people to live in. And that was unique. I mean, they, they fully built a community out of essentially nothing there. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's pretty remarkable. I have early footage from uh, when they were launching one of my clients. Um, it was when I first got my drone. My first drone was like a generation one drone. I remember taking it up and looking around that area. And I still have that footage. It's kind of wild to see what it's become in that community that's been built. Um, kind of taking, taking a step back for a sec. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about programming, um, and square footage, you guys, I don't know how many units you guys move in a year or even in a day, but what, what do you see generally speaking, like the hottest selling unit type and square footage? What's that? We talked about like 800,000, 750. Like what is that real sweet spot that just, you know, it's going to, you see that floor plan, one of your clients drops it down, you're like, that will be gone day zero. I'm not sure you want to know the answer, but um, uh, somewhere in the low 500s square footage wise. Um, the numbers you gave were much higher. The numbers you gave were the highest end of where we end up. 
Um, so we uh, we do see a lot of floor plans. We sell a lot of uh, units. Last year we sold uh, well over five thousand units, and the better part of five billion dollars in real estate, um, which was uh, was a good year. Um, and and we see so many floor plans, and we know what works, we know what doesn't work, which is really important for us. Um, we spend a lot of time with developers, uh, sometimes three, four years before they launch, sometimes six months before they launch, depending on the developer. And um, we dig in and we work on every single floor plan. But that sweet spot is somewhere in the mid 500s, low 500s on where you want to be um, to really have a good product with a good price point in, um, and make it saleable. It's Somebody right now listening in, um, mid America, you saw these big houses, 500 square feet. Like, what are you putting in there? Is that a is that a studio or is that a is that a four bedroom and den? It's a really good question. A 500 square foot unit has to be at least a one bedroom and den with one bathroom. Um, it's also important that the right unit size has the right um, has the right programming. Um, we're seeing buildings in the low 500s being an average of the entire building, including the three bedrooms, but also, of course, the studios in there as well. Um, you say that, it's very funny. I was speaking to a really, one of my closest friends um, lives in Boston. I'm headed out there in a couple weeks to visit him. And um, we were talking about unit pricing and livability. And um, and he made some comment about his 950 square foot, uh, one bedroom and den not being big enough for you him to live in. There? Yeah. <laughs> And not being big enough for them to live in, and I was just kind of laughing. So you you would die if you saw what I'm designing right now, because uh, I, I have I have three bedrooms and less space than that. Um, but but he said like the when we talked about it for a few minutes, but it's interesting because when all you put is a bedroom and just a huge living room, that's how people live. But if you programmed it up and you put in some bedrooms and you put in some dens, and his kitchen was a little bit smaller and more manageable, and this family room was a little bit smaller and manageable. He would, he'd be able to live there. It's just that it sounds small until you actually walk into these places with furniture and see what they look like. In 500 square feet, um, are builders putting in a full-size oven still? Uh, full-size mean like a 24-inch? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe not what you have in your house, but like a full-size condo spec, which would be like a 24-inch. Yeah. You see a 24-inch fridge, 24-inch. Are you, are you seeing that more as optional? Like, you know that someone living in this unit is ordering in food every night. They do not need the square footage of this uh, of this oven. Or is that still just standard? You're it's, it's still pretty standard. Even in the studios, we're generally putting in um, the condo size appliances. And I wouldn't totally call them full size. Um, my still my house is much bigger, um, but I've lived in condos almost my whole life. I just, um, uh, I moved out of a almost 1300 square foot condo to go into my house. And in my 1300 square foot condo, I had a 24 inch oven and a 24 inch, um, Stove top, everything was 24 inch. Um, I, had, I think I had a 30 inch fridge, but it just happened to be, I moved to actually, it was a model suite. So it turned, turned they put in a bigger fridge, but. Um, product style, we talked about square footage, pricing, amenities, like there's so much that goes into it when you do these launches. What makes for a really successful project? Are you able to kind of meet with a builder? They take you through this. So we talked about branding, like, Canary District and how that was all branded to M City and architecture. What makes what what do you see and you just know that is going to be a blowout project? And is a blowout project a success or do do builders want it to to sell over a year? Um, or if they don't hit their first weekend numbers, is it a, considered a failure? Like, uh, those are two. Those are two two tough questions. So okay, so um, the, this the, the simplest answer on what is a developer looking for is 
absolutely different by developer. And so we have some developers who do say to us, I want you to walk in the door, sell 75% in one week and, and let's get building this building. And we have other clients who say, you know what, let's take a year to sell. Let's uh, make sure that we're, we're doing all the right things and we're nurturing every lead. Um, and then there's others who say, I want to hold back 20% because I can, and we can sell them later. Um, you know, we talked about earlier about how pricing does go up over time and that appreciation factor. Some developers want to be a part of that and hold some units back. And some say sell every single unit because I want to be in and I want to be out. And they don't do it badly. It just, it does help with some of the financing sometimes. Um, the number one thing that in, in, in what I've seen, and we do sell a lot of condo units, um, is floor plans. Uh, that floor plan, what it looks like, what the mix looks like, how it functions, how it, how a user is going to live there is number one. Uh, the most important thing that we find is floor plans. I can tell you that in um, our, our kind of senior staff's time and what they spend a ton of time on, floor plans. Um, sometimes I, I love how buildings work and sometimes I'll jump into floor plan meetings just to make sure um, some of these sing. Um, and it's really important for us to have a good product because that's what you're selling. I agree. What does the building look like? What's the ad campaign? All these things are really important. Um, unless it's a non-typical building, people are first thing they look at. What they're buying, what someone is actually buying is a, a 30 by 10 space. And how do you use that space and what do you put in there is really important. Um, so that's number one. Um, the other thing is understanding what you're selling and it sounds kind of stupid, but like you go back to Canary District and like really telling that story of what you're selling. Um, and we see it with a lot of our sites and explaining, especially when it's not, when we were selling um, 8 Elm, which is the corner of Young and Elm, which pretty much is Young and Dundas, um, Young Street Frontage. Um, I don't tell the story. It's a great story. You're across from TMU. Um, we started our marketing, it was Ryerson. We were across from TMU. You have great units. You are, you can walk to the subway. You can walk to downtown core. You can walk everywhere. All the all the hospitals are, are the west side of your street, all of Bay Street. I mean, everything is there. It is a good story. We told a really good story for that project. But we everybody knows where that project is. Um, but the second you talking about how do we tell a story of what's happening on Danforth East, where we're selling a bunch of projects down um, Danforth East or the Bluffs or all of these locations that are your non-typical locations, things that people understand in Canary District. Um, it's what's the story and how do I tell it? And, and how do I get a buyer to buy into this? And that's a really important part of the story. And we do it with the ad agency. We do it with the developer. We're very involved in that as well. Um, but that's really important because when someone's going to buy something, they look at two things. What's the value proposition? What, what am I buying? Why am I buying it? Who's the developer behind it? Always very important. Um, uh, often there are people who want to buy from someone reputable like us because uh, Baker Real Estate really does take, we talk like, we talk about in our pitch meetings, which is not what this is, but we spend a ton of time with the developer. Sometimes it's years in advance and we just get involved and we dig in um, and we work on projects. Uh, uh, I just came from reserves, uh, reserve properties uh, a few minutes ago and we sometimes look two years in advance. We're looking at floor plans on some of their projects. Are they bringing any other superstars into them? Of course they are. Anything any you can talk about? Not, is, uh... None I can talk about today. <laughs> we talked about one of them actually today and it was a confidential conversation. That's all I'm going to say. We yeah. talked about one of them today. Um, but they also have a really interesting fall launch. Um, they are um, 
becoming a very active developer. I think everybody knows, um, you know, what they've done at Young and Eglinton. Obviously, everybody knows what Reserve has done at, uh, you know, at Elm, um, of course, with Capital Developments. And um, they're getting very active uh, in the marketplace right now with several developments. Um, it's, you know, they were in Blog TO, which always gets a lot of hype, but uh, for a big site, they have a Young and Bloomer as well. Yeah, great guys. I mean, they, they've been um, clients of mine for a long time. Really awesome people. Um, um, yeah, I, I went off track. Yeah, the floor, floor plan development was the point that, um, and you know, in that floor plan development and um, what it ends up looking like is so important in that process for sure. Uh, we're coming up to the end. Okay. Um, and, you know, I didn't prepare Harley for this, but he did come with like what looks like a scroll, like 10,000 pages long of what's upcoming in case I asked what is upcoming. And I know you mentioned a few projects and I know there's going to be builders listening like, why did you mention my project? Um, are there any other projects that like, are just awesome and we just didn't have the opportunity to, to call out that you just want to say like, man, this fall, this is happening in, I don't know, Wichita. I don't know where it is, but I uh, just want to give that extra heads up of it. There are so many of them, but I'd like to do it. I agree. Um, that would be really interesting to talk about some of the stuff coming. So I think I mentioned we got Bellwood's house coming in, in King West. Um, we do have the um, uh, M-City 6 building coming. We have something coming up called uh, Premont Place, which is coming up in uh, Brampton um, and the first first couple buildings of a huge multi-phase development in Brampton. It's gonna be really exciting. Um, coming to Young in St. Clair with Metropia, we're coming out with a really interesting project. Um, something that no one's ever seen Young in St. Clair, that's all I'm gonna say about that. But that's and Young in St. Clair's already got some crazy stuff happening. So it, do it does. Even crazier than everything that you've seen at Young and St. Clair, I would say that it's going to kind of change Young and St. Clair, which will be really exciting. Have you checked out Ultra Supper Club yet? Ultra um, Supper Club 2.0, I guess. I have not, actually. Right. I have not. Um, but it is going to be really interesting, and uh, uh, Metropia has got an absolutely amazing site there. Um, and, uh, of course, talked about Park Road. Um, we're very active right now uh, getting ready for a uh, really exciting project in Hamilton, um, with Carriage Gate, which is really good. Um, Altera and District actually have a really exciting project coming to St. Clair and Caledonia. I think that goes back to that same story of like an area that is essentially undervalued in this city. Um, it's right on St. Clair West and Matt, I think you may know the, the area a little bit. Um, that's St. Clair West uh, Village, um, which is pretty cool. They're right on this massive park system. And um, with what happens now with the station that's been approved at Weston in St. Clair, which is the next block over, um, I think we're going to see buyers loving that type of location. It's a really cool, unique project. Um, we have uh, upcoming in Richmond Hill, Y9929. Um, and we just broke around Y9825 Y9825 with MetroView, same developer. It's almost next door. There's a park in between the two, which they're building. And um, that'll be a really cool project. We get a lot of that young street between Highway 7 and um, uh, Major Mac. We're doing an absolute ton of projects with, um, with MetroView. It's really exciting. Um, I mentioned, of course, Reserve. We've got a couple of projects coming. Um, some really exciting stuff. The next one will probably be Young and Eglinton, which will be really exciting for sure. Um, we have... Uh, we have another pro building coming to um, Brightwater, which is going to be really exciting as well. Um, and then we have some just some absolutely massive projects which are not on anyone's radar yet that I'm not quite sure I can talk about. But we have something just huge coming to the Bloor area. We have something huge coming uh, right downtown. Um, it's really exciting stuff really in the works. Um, and I'm not going to stop. So we have uh, we have a lot coming, and I think that it'll be really exciting to. Well, with everything coming, it. yes. I mean, it, it's amazing to think that with the increase in interest rates over the past 
you know, 12 plus months. There was like, the market has really slowed down. You know, you, you guys had a great year last year, but I mean, there's going to be such a huge glut. There's going to be such a huge issue of not enough building happening because of that. as you mentioned you've got to hit certain numbers uh you can get concerned without anything selling people not launching i mean it, it is immigration of a million people you know we just need to build so much and there's not going to be anything built i think what you're talking about uh, it can be absorbed and it's uh we need to start building again in the city we need to get a, a government in place that can help with builders actually push some of these things through and, and get the density needed and not take five years as you were just talking about like to actually get stuff off the floor, but like just get stuff out faster. I agree. We won't go too political in this conversation, but uh, the amount of money that's built into the condo price and and how much of that is going to to pay for never mind taxes, but also just to your point, like the holding costs in holding some of these lands, and especially at today's interest rates, um, will developers get approved for projects? Um, is just adding to the the price of these. If we could actually get a really fast system where you could buy a piece of land and get it out to market and sell and somehow get the government to help a little bit, um, I actually think that we would see the pricing stabilize. And I think having some more inventory because we have 20 year lack of supply right now, um, 20 year low lack of supply, there's gonna be nowhere for anybody to live in the city anymore. And um, we need to figure out how to get these buildings built. I recently posted something on Twitter showing my natural gas bill and it showed like in the month of May, I used like $20, but my bill was like $300 and it fully broke down. Like it was very transparent where all the money went, like how many transportation levels had to go through to get, you know, this $20 worth of natural gas to me. And I was thinking that, you know, that exam, that, that tweet went viral. I think it had like 150,000 views. It had like tons of comments, like from both parts of the political spectrum uh, but it made me think like it'd be really cool if builders started to give more transparent pricing much like when you go to the gas station it shows you like it's like two percent profit like how what builders are actually taking home and how much of it is actually going towards all these other government fees um, pretty astronomical it is actually and, and you'd be and and i think people would be very surprised to see how much of it is less that builders want to figure out how to make, um, you know, an absolute ton of money, and a lot of it is really going back to, to, to lending costs, to construction costs that have gotten totally out of control, land costs, and then you throw the interest on, you know, a piece of land that people are spending a hundred million, two hundred million dollars on, and you throw, you know, a couple points on interest, and it just it throws everything off, and then all of the development charges, like what it costs to just build a one bedroom. Um, I'm mistaken, stuff like forty to fifty thousand dollars just in a, in a development charge to build a one bedroom, like that that has to get passed on to someone. Unfortunately, it's going to go to the to the buyer because the developer can't build this for for charity either, and they have to figure out how they can buy their next project and how they can keep you know all of their employees. Uh, so, well, I told you before we came into the show, we're not going to get too far into the weeds, yes. uh, but that's a great place to end. And Harley just wanted to say thank you very much for being uh, so open with your answers and. and you know, one thing we didn't get to is what's the Baker way, but I think people from this conversation can tell what Baker's mentality is and ethos is like uh, just from listening to Harley talk. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed this talk. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it.
Thank you for tuning into Livable Launch, your go-to podcast for all things condo and new home launches. We hope today's episode has given you valuable insights into the exciting world of real estate development and the minds behind these remarkable projects. We're incredibly grateful to our esteemed guests and our dedicated listeners like you who continue to make this podcast a success. Remember, Livable Launch is here to keep you informed, inspired, and engaged with the ever-evolving landscape of condo and new home developments. We value your feedback and want to ensure that Livable Launch remains your trusted source of information. So don't hesitate to reach out. Remember, we're all in this exciting journey together. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on our website or social media platforms. And if you're a builder industry expert who wants to share your expertise and be featured on our show, please get in touch. We'd love to hear about your latest projects, launches, and insights. Thank you again for joining us on Livable Launch. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Stay up to date with the latest condo and new home launches, trends, and insider knowledge. Until next time, keep building, dreaming, and exploring the world of real estate. Remember, Livable Launch is here to guide you for every step of the way. I'm Matthew Slutsky, and this is Livable Launch signing off. Happy building and see you soon.